Hey everyone, this is Nicole Snow and I am the founder and CEO of DarnGoodYarn.com and in today's Made with Love experiment, um, I have Eliana from Knit Sprout and um, Knit Sprout is a company, it, it was a one woman show, right Eliana? Yeah, yeah, just yeah. me. <laughs> so we work quite extensively on like a lot of projects with you for like, I, it feels like a really long time. How long have you been working with Darn Good Yarn? I think two years yeah maybe two and a half years which yeah. is a really long time in the internet world yeah yeah it's been <laughs> a trip for sure I think I think anything over six months that's like a long-term engagement or commitment or something like that yeah yeah so in today's episode, um, what we're really going to focus around, and Eliana and I were talking a little bit right before the show started, but um, you lead a very, very cool life. So um, sometimes when we send yarn to our designers, uh, it's, you know, we're sent, you send it to the same address all the time, whatever. But with you, I always notice that um, my crew over here is like making sure that we're getting you yarn because you're about to leave the country. <laughs> work on something on an exotic beach somewhere or something really cool because like your Instagram like you are a super duper traveler and you know the whole idea of this episode I think is to talk about like lifestyle design and how you really chose to design and define success and um, I would love it if you could tell all of our listeners like we'll get into the craft stuff but tell mm -hmm. everyone like what your whole life is about because it's really cool. Like I have like Instagram envy. <laughs> what, I love what you're doing? <laughs> yeah. So I'm I'm not I'm lucky enough to not have to be into the total total adult world yet. So I'm still in graduate school. So I've had the opportunity to take a semester abroad, um, go travel during my summers, and like go travel during different breaks. I'm actually leaving for um, Canada in like two days. Um, I'm probably going to bring some darn good yarn with me. Um, but yeah, I don't really have to have like a specific nine to five job that I need to be coming back to. So I just got to bring my yarn wherever I go and like make money off of that, which is really, really awesome. Um, I spent this past summer traveling, uh, Southeast Asia. So I went to Vietnam, Cambodia, Laos and Thailand and um, the two semesters before that, I was studying abroad in Costa Rica and got to travel around Nicaragua and um, yeah, other little trips in between them. But one consistency is that I get to bring my crochet with me. Like I'd say probably half my suitcase is, is generally packed with yarn and crochet hooks and needles which is so like, really fun because by the end of the trip, it's always like empty. And then like I, all of the yarn has been dispersed to different people, like friends I make or wherever I can sell it That's to, cool. which is so, it's so fun. I know that I'm wondering, I bet you like a lot of our listeners are wondering too, like, do you, when you get to these like really cool places, do you try to seek out like local yarn as well? Yeah. So when I was in, um, Vietnam I had run out of yarn and I was like terrified I was like oh my gosh what am I supposed to be doing with my hands right now and I was looking for a different yarn shop and I really couldn't find anything oh actually no this was Thailand I couldn't find anything and I was so frustrated about it um and I was spending the day alone because my boyfriend was doing uh, a diving workshop and I just like 
wandered through the streets asking people if anyone knew how to crochet, if anyone knew where I could get yarn, blah, blah, blah. Um, because you see a lot of crochet goods all around. Like you see people right. selling crochet bras and tank tops and bikinis and like fun things like that. And, like a lot of um, stuffed animals too. And I knew that there was like yarn somewhere and I was sitting down to eat by myself and I had my crochet with me and I sit down next to this bag of, of like a half, a half project. Like there was yarn in the bag and some stitches and um, a crochet hook. And I was, I picked it up and I was like, who's is this? Who's is this? Where did you get this? And they sent me across the street and it was this like uh, little, like sort of like a, like a, a pharmacy. And on the side of the wall, there was all of this yarn. I was so excited the entire time I've been in Southeast Asia, I wasn't able to find any yarn. And then all of a sudden I find this like a pharmacy. So yeah, the places I've gone to haven't necessarily been the best for like, you know, quality, cute um, yarn shops that I've been looking for. But I, I didn't spend as much time seeking it out as I did, like, you know, bringing my own. Because I'm always scared that I'm not going to find any. So I definitely yeah. always have that security like, blanket of my extra yarn. Yeah, like if you didn't find that one random bag, like poking your nose into something, like, oh my, like, where did this come from? You would have been like, oh. <laughs> yeah, it's just crazy because, like, you see so much crochet everywhere. I have no idea where it comes from. Wow. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's interesting. You know, it, that's kind of the really, I think that's so interesting. Like, in the US, um, you know, we look at crafting as like a hobby and like that hobby versus actual livelihood. And it's such a, it's so different, like how the industry, you know, here we can go to a yarn store and it's just the way the craft is pursued is different, you know, and then like the availability of those actual things like Michael's, like big, big box stores. Well, I guess they were around in like the late eighties, but before that, you know, there really wasn't any, any of that around. It was really your local store. Um, yeah. Man, yeah. that's that's so fun. So I, let's go back to this. So you're, what are you going to school for right now? What's your, what are you studying? So yeah, that's fun. I'm actually sort of exploring my thesis right now. Um, so I got my undergrad in environmental studies, with like sustainable sustainable planning, essentially was my um, undergrad degree, and my graduate degree is sustainable communities. So I have a lot of leeway with that. I, I'm at Binghamton University, and the sustainable communities program is super new. I think it's in its second year. So there are like six people in my cohort and there's so much wiggle room. So I've really um, gotten to figure out, you know, the specific direction I want to go in. Like the, the courses focus on environmental planning and policy pretty much, but cool. I've been structuring my studies around like uh, textile waste and upcycling and just like the the garment industry system and analyzing that system and seeing like how it could be improved and how you know makers can improve it but more so like policy makers so yeah that's that's my direction right now and I'm that's, really into it yeah that's that's really that's really cool so you know I'm I like I'm a money person when it comes to um, a lot of my personal decisions have been driven by like um, you know, they, they have been financially driven just because that's like my own background. Like I've always been afraid to like go into debt and things like that. And I, I'm sure like people go like, okay, if, especially if you have, I think a family, like you're a little younger, so you can kind of like hop on a plane and go someplace, but how are you, um, 
how are you like funding your trips and making that happen? Like, are you living on like a couple bucks a day? Cause I remember doing that in college and like, I did do it. <laughs> like, is it sort of like that? Or are you working while you're there? Um, is that where your Etsy store comes in? Like, can you describe that a little bit? Yeah. So um, right now I have a pretty nice babysitting job with a, a two-year-old and a three-month-old, which is absolute heaven. So I've, I always, I always have like, my boyfriend's always making fun of me because I'm always like side hustling like four other jobs. So I'm, I'm really always making sure that my time is filled. That's something I care a lot about. Like I don't like feeling unproductive. So like if I'm not working, I'm either doing my homework or like I'm crocheting something that I'm, you know, eventually going to get paid for. So yeah, I'm always really trying to like make sure that I have a, a steady income coming in, which is, yeah. which is pretty nice. Yeah. I, I, I don't think there's been a semester in the past two years that I haven't had a job. So I, I definitely try to keep, keep that weaved in wherever I can. So I either like end it right before I'm about to go travel or, you know, sort of come back to it when I get back. See, that's, that's pretty cool. I mean, I think it takes a certain kind of like character to do that, but I, I, I like, I get it. Cause I worked like multiple jobs when I was in college and I made sure like there, there was some sort of hustle always happening to just make sure like I, who is getting to my end goal? Like for you with like the travel component, because you, you know, you know, you're not even mid twenties. It sounds like, right? Yeah, I'm I'm 22. Okay, so you're 22. You have a, a very stamped passport though, and so yeah. and that's that's really cool. And I think like you know, I, whenever I talk to people, like the number one thing is I wish I could travel. Um, like even internally here, when I talk to my you know employees here at Dorney Yarn, it's you know, what's, what, what's your number one thing? And it's either go back to school or travel. You're doing both. Does that, was that how you were raised or like, did you like read a book or did you have an influence that said, okay, I'm going to do this. I'm going to travel. I'm going to give myself permission because you're kind of like breaking down rules of, of how you're kind of trained in your, like in standard education, standard education, what I think kind of make sure that you're working your 40 hours or you're going to school and then you're kind of staying on campus and you're like, no, I'm going to go like discover who I am. And that it takes balls to do that. <laughs> Maybe balls Ovaries. But, yeah, but like, I think it takes, it takes a lot of guts though, right? Because there is a, a yeah. little bit of uncertainty. Yeah. You know, how, Absolutely. being 22, how do you, how did you get that at such a young age? So when I was younger, my parents, like, always, you know, we always went to cool new places. Sometimes I, I like, look back and I'm, I'm mad, like, why did you take me to Paris when I was, like, eight? You know, I couldn't appreciate anything, but I was fortunate enough, you know, for my parents to be able to um, take me to a few different countries. Like, we went to, um, we, we went on a new trip, like, every year, sometimes twice a year. Um, and, like, when I got to college... I, you know, I'm, I'm going to school in, a, in upstate New York. It's pretty cold. It's pretty dreary. I think we're like one of the grayest cities in all of the United States. Yeah. Um, and it's definitely nice to get, you know, a change of pace, not to mention my last trip to Southeast Asia was half funded. It was like, we had just graduated. So it was partially funded. Like the ticket itself um, was funded by a friend's parents and um, my dad. So that was pretty nice, you know, for them to be able to cover the cost of the ticket because I'm able to live like pretty cheap when I, I'm actually traveling. Um, so, you know, as long as the ticket is covered, that's pretty nice. Yeah. That's and, and 
And when I went uh, when I went to Southeast Asia the time before, I was woofing, so that was another like you know pretty cheap thing. Like I think I had I had waited, you know, I asked my parents to save like my birthday and my Hanukkah and then like my next birthday and like buy me a ticket to that, and that was like you know that would be a nice giant birthday gift, and and I got to you know go there and, and woof and um, not really have to pay for anything because you know you're essentially trading your labor for housing and food. See, that's, that's fantastic that you've like really understood though from an early age that the experience versus things is really like truly the essence of life. Like, you know, like not asking for, you know, just bullshit stuff, you know, that feels, <laughs> yeah. And, and that's, that's just so cool. And I, it's such a great takeaway as you're saying that mm-hmm. I, it's funny, my mom, um, I wound up doing something similar. Like we're going on a trip next Thanksgiving and I was like, okay, mom, this covers Christmas, thanks, you know, and your birthday for like two years, like, and then like, okay, we're going to do this experience together, but like, that's really where life happens in those moments, I think, so that's, yeah, exactly, so, um, so tell me a little bit about, like, where do you get your, um, your style like in terms of like crochet like getting into the creative side of things um and we're gonna put like for for our listeners we're gonna put your links to, like your etsy shopping um your instagram and all of your other uh, handles but you have such a cool aesthetic um and it is you're using a lot of sustainable materials in your work as well so talk to me a little bit about your like design process and how you would describe your aesthetic to people listening so my I, everything comes from everywhere, really, with my style. Like I don't, I, I've I've been working on recently, sort of developing um, more of a a specific style, like that's that's very me, you know, it's very knit sprout. Um, but originally, like my grandma taught me how to, not my grandma, but a local yarn shop sort of taught me how to knit. My grandma taught me how to crochet. Um, my other grandmother always like dyed her own yarn and, and designed her own patterns. Like she made rugs and pillows and really exquisite things. And my mom, you know, dabbled in every sort of art. So I've always been around, um, really artistic women, which is amazing. Um, Mm -hmm. so I, I've like gathered a lot of inspiration from them and my like own personal style, a lot of it has to do with like. Um, the yarn that I'm using so like I'll I'll get a specific type of yarn and like look at that and be like okay what does this yarn like want to be made into you know what I mean like I I I like yarn that has a little bit of character so I could work with that yarn's character instead like I have a total yarn crush on knit collage she makes these like oh fantastic Uh, yeah they're like they're like clouds they're so beautiful so if I if I have like a higher budget in the future you know I'd love to work with some of that yarn a little bit um and I just got this like amazing yarn from uh Manos del Uruguay and it's like oh it's it's a really similar texture you know thick and thin like it looks very hand woven so things like that definitely like inspire me on their own and right now I've been like in the process you know I'm, I was really overworking with all of my freaking synthetic yarns like every I noticed every single thing I was working with was like acrylic um and had just like weird ingredients in it that you know were not coming from the earth and weren't biodegradable and weren't hand dyed I didn't know where they were coming from and um this uh, this year has really been a process of me um pumping all of that out so like I'll make a project you know like I wrote a, I wrote a pattern for 
um, an oxalis beanie. And that was my way of like using up all of my synthetic yarns and, and um, like, you know, just getting those out of my stash so I don't have to work with them anymore. So, so some of it comes from that. Some of my style comes from like the, the need to get rid of a specific type of yarn that I have in my stash, quite honestly. And um, other parts of it just come from like what inspires me in that moment. I, I actually never, I, maybe I shouldn't say this, but I never plan my projects. Like I sort of just go, like if I'm making a bra, that's, that's the easiest one to freeform for me. Like I just like start making a cup and then I like, I'm like, huh, lace would look cool here. Huh, like maybe I should like make this a different kind of back, you know, and I just, I just sort of keep adding to it from there. And I, I have the most fun doing things like that that require a little bit more creativity, you know, instead of just making like simple beanies over and over again. Like those are an easy project, but I, I really like, you know, being able to just free form. What yeah. are you working on right now? Because I'm like on your um, on your Instagram, you, it looks like you made like baby um, berets. Oh, yeah. No, those aren't baby berets. Those are those are real human berets. I'm actually oh, are gonna... they? Are they? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I guess babies are humans too, but, um, uh, yeah, those are, those are adult berets. I'm going to be doing a, um, like, uh, project on my stories later today where I'm going to be like uh, showing people for free how to make those. Um, so yeah, those are two skeins of yarn. Um, and I call it like the best friend beret. And it's just like the beret is made of one color, like color a, you know, and then like the pom the pom pom ish thing on top, I call it the boop. Um, is made of like color B. So yeah, that like I just uh, had fun playing around with and I'll be showing people how to do that on my stories today. Um, but right now, what am I working on? I'm, I have like three hats in progress. I, I just made my dog like a lavender filled doggy bandana and I got a few people that uh, wanted me to make that for them as well. I just made like a really, really tiny doggy bandana, which is fun. Um, and I'm working on like a little a mini collection of, of woven cowls, which I'm really into. So that also uses my scrap yarn and like a bunch of different textures and are yummy you actually, colors. Are you, weaving, are you weaving them like on the on a loom or? So I'm like crocheting the base of them and then weaving in between. Oh, cool. Yeah, yeah. I I made one for myself. Um, like when I when I first got to college and it was the coolest thing ever. You know, when I was, when I was younger, I used to spend a lot more time, you know, like it, it, I would spend like maybe two weeks a month on one specific project. And I would just sit down and think about it a lot and go back to it and take it out and blah, blah, blah. And I really got to like develop a, uh, going back to your other question, like a, a style in that sense. Cause like, I, you know, I really spent a lot more time thinking about things. Whereas now I'm like, okay, new day, new project. Like what, what am I doing today? Um, so I got to use that as an inspiration for this little mini cowl collection that I'm working on right now. Um, and, and another thing that I'm really excited about that I'm, I'm working on is I got this like delicious blend of, I think it's linen, alpaca and wool and, wow. and silk might be in there too. And I want to make like lounge shorts from those. So I have those just sitting on my bookshelf staring at me every day. And I think about them like all the time, what I want to make with them. Um, I make sure that I have the yarns that I'm really into at the moment on display so I can, I can look at them and they can look at me and, you know, we can like form a relationship of sorts, <laughs> you know? <laughs> I, you know, you, you say that. And I think, you know, anyone who like knits or crochets, who's listening, like 
goes, yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. Cause I do the <laughs> same thing, but like if anyone else listens to it, they're like, these people are fucking crazy. <laughs> <laughs> that's really, that's cool. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like there are some yarns that are like sitting there and I'm like, okay, now I hate you. Cause like, I'll be looking at them and like, I just, nothing comes to me, you know, like, especially ones that are like old from my stash. So I'm just like, oh my gosh, I've sat here with this yarn for like years and I've like have made a project of it taken it out made a project of it taken it out and now they're just like the bane of my existence you know so those ones I try to like keep out of eye level because they just really cause me stress but the yeah. pretty ones the nice like you know organic fair trade locally sourced wool and different blends like that I keep on on display that's cool <laughs> that's what I want a relationship with yeah yeah you know, I, I, I think everyone, everyone who's listening can completely relate to that. So let me ask you, so like what happens after, after you graduate, like, you know, you, you have this really cool lifestyle um, and are you looking to continue to keep riding that wave um, or like, how would you define success? Because you've kind of, you've, you, you're, you're, obviously a very creative person, you know, just looking at your business and what you've been able to like sort of side hustle while also doing the hard work of going to graduate school. Um, so like looking forward to you, looking forward and saying, okay, my life as a, as a medium, how are you going to use your creativity to define success moving forward? Well, yeah, that's a loaded question. I know. Right. I know. <laughs> Like when I graduated from undergrad, I was like, oh, fuck, this is it. Like I just, I graduated from Costa Rica and I came back and I was like, ah, I need a job. That's what I like. I don't have anything. I don't have any like, you know, stable source of income. So that's honestly like a, a project that I've been, you know, working on forever. Like when I, when I started my undergrad, I thought like, okay, after this, I'll just like get a job. Um, in, you know, an environmental studies sector of some sort. Like, I didn't really know where I wanted to be. So mm -hmm. I realized that, like, I really want making to be a part of my career. And I, and, and that, you know, it's quite a switch from having it be a hobby. Um, and I didn't realize that until, like, a few years ago when I started Knit Sprout. And I was like, wow, you know, I can actually make money off of this. And I have a lot of freaking fun with this. And, you know, I'm, I'm still surprised when, like, people that aren't, like, my best friends and family members actually want to buy my stuff you know that shocks me every day so I would love to ideally go into some sort of field that works with um textiles and and funky yarns and like you know like like sort of like darn good yarn like I'd like to maybe have my own sort of similar thing one day that focuses on um sustainably sourced yarns and um like you know employing women around the world or so, something something that actually you know has an impact as opposed to just like having a an office job you know so really so it sounds like you know really just taking all of these different facets and making sure that those are check marks within your daily work structure is kind of like your idea of success you know have you looked at um you know, a little bit off topic, but hey, why not? But have you ever like, looked at um, any like fair trade organizations that work in countries that that are heavy textile countries? So like looking into into like South American countries, by example, 
um, so that then you're interfacing with like local communities. So like when you talk about mm -hmm. Dharmgadharn, you know, we're working with different um, different parts of India, like actual different geographic locations within India. And we're saying, okay, like this is what these areas are can specialize in. And then we kind of bring it all together to create yarn. But there are lots of like NGOs that are focused on that as well around the world. Um, and then specializing in sort of that fiber art component. Um, that might yeah. be a way to, to bring that all together and still keep that travel part of you uh, alive and well. So, so organizations like that I'm really into. Actually, when I was in Cambodia, I met this really cool, um, I'm not sure what they're defined as, I can look it up real quick, but they're called Rehash Trash, and they're in Siem Reap, Cambodia. Okay. Um, and yeah, it says Angkor Handicraft Association. So, I'm not, yeah, I don't know what their, what their status is, but what they would do is, like, employ um, local Cambodian women to use all of, like, the plastic rubbish that they find around. So, it's, it's quite a lot, you know, of plastic rubbish. And they turn it into, like, yarn which eventually becomes these gorgeous like baskets and masks and bags and like water bottle holders and all these things and, and that gave me such inspiration when I got back I was like wow I want to be you know using more of my materials and thinking about like how I can make a, a similar sort of um, business structure in the future you know like what, I, what I'm getting my degree in is, is like Sort of deals with nonprofit management, um, mm -hmm. especially because my, the degree that I used to have that I dropped was public administration. So it, uh, you know, they're they're a really similar like learning how to one day manage you know my own nonprofit. So I definitely think about like how I can put like a nonprofit into reducing waste in general. And I think that um, like while I do speak Spanish and like traveling, I don't like I I. I know that the U.S. also needs like a lot of help right now, you know, under our current administration that denies climate change and um, just like studying the amount of waste that we produced here. And the waste that we offshore is really, really disgusting. And I'd love to, you know, work to, to reduce our waste here and um, have that be like an inspiration for other countries as well also because you know i have family here and <laughs> the idea of leaving like i i really like i fantasize about it sometimes when i'm like oh i could i couldn't go so far away it's not fair and then i know that i'd be taking so many planes to go home and and go back and blah 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 and, and that goes against like you know that just adds your carbon to footprint too. right <laughs> yeah yeah so that's like a reason like why like we decided to go to canada you know i don't have to take a plane we can drive to canada right. which is you know, not ideal, but still better than taking a plane. Yeah, so no, things I mean, like that, I definitely consider. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, I think, I, I think you're you're coming into the workforce world at a at a really interesting time. That there's there are, are there's actually like a, a I, w I don't want to say there aren't as many borders as we think there are. You know, like, and just <laughs> even the fact that like, you know, I started this company out you know, from a guest bedroom in my house 10 years ago. And it's, you know, the internet is a powerful place and, um, and that you can, you can make impacts locally and globally at the same time. So like here, here, you know, we employ people here in the US, but then we're also on more of a mass scale helping with like epidemic unemployment. Like we're, we're not talking about like, you know, we have our unemployment numbers here, like uh, domestically and they are, they are, but. <laughs> you're talking about massive unemployment in areas and 
they, there's no social nets at all. And like when you talk about real big economic changes, um, you know, where we decide to plant the flag as a company, saying, okay, we're going to try to help serve underserved populations that deal with caste, gender discrimination, things like that. Um, mm -hmm. You can make ripples and it's just, it's a longer game, you know? So mm -hmm. I, and I like, and I'm just telling you like, kind of like the big sister in me, but I say like, I went into, <laughs> I chose India, right? Because people will say like, well, why, why India? I said, well, I knew that my dollar would go further there in terms of what I can do in terms of economic impact for the long term, like not even just writing a check to charity saying, okay, we're going to establish sustainable, safe jobs for individuals. And then knowing that as that grew, it would create an infrastructure here in the US that would create sustainable, long lasting jobs as well. And the two feed each other. But how can I as an indi individual make the greatest impact efficiently and effectively, right? Um, yeah. Like, offshoring with the end game of saying, okay, this is all going to work together in some way. You know, if I just focused on, you know, this country, you know, America is great in my opinion. Um, and, and so, you know, it has, every country has its issues, but, yeah. um, you know, we have the, we have the ability. It's also very expensive though, um, in terms of starting businesses and creating economic impacts. I, I can create an economic impact with myself, like just with my solopreneur business. But if I look globally, right, you can start mm -hmm. to intertwine and, and, and help other populations and then know that it will feed back into the US as well. Yeah, so, absolutely. Yeah. That's, that's sort of daunting, right? Like the possibilities are so endless. <laughs> like, they okay, are, they are, yeah. Now you have to just pick one. <laughs> Yeah, no, that, and that's, you know, that's, I think sometimes the, the, uh, the hardest thing is to just pick something and just say, okay, I'm going to plant my flag here and go with it. But um, that's where you get, I think, when you say, okay, this is what I'm going to do. <laughs> and then you say, I'm going to ride this very long, you know, we've been in business now for over a decade. Say, I'm going to, I'm going to take this path. That's kind of the cool, fun thing, I guess. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah. Um, you know, I always like to ask everyone, what's the best advice that you've ever been given either uh, professionally or personally? Oh, yeah, I saw that question and I got to be ready for it. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, it's hard because like, I, you know, I know I've been given a lot of really good advice. You know, I've been surrounded by a lot of amazing, strong women and, you know, people that love me that have definitely given me good advice. Um, but I can I can think of advice in regards to crochet, and I'm sure just like crochet always does, you know, it can serve as like a metaphor for you know life in general in some way. I don't know. I'm I'm not gonna do the analyzing, but someone else could if they're more interested. Like my mom, oh, we would crochet together, knit together. Well, she didn't crochet; she knitted. So we would we would um do you know fiber work together, and like this, she often got really discouraged with her work. So, like she'd be working on one thing, you know, maybe she'd be like knitting a blanket and she would just like hate it the whole time. And, and you know, that's a really, if you're a maker, you know, like that's a really stressful thing. You're spending so much time on something and you hate it. And you're like, oh my gosh, I've, I've spent, you know, 30 hours working on this already. What the fuck? Like, you know, should, should my yeah. sister take this out now? And what she taught me was like, if you don't like it, then take it out. Like, stop doing it. Don't invest <laughs> more. Like, fuck a sunk cost. It's like, 
no, you, you, you already, you already put time into it. That's fine. That's time that you spent learning, you know, and like, if you take it out, you'll be so much happier in the long run. So, you know, like, like, like I would come home and she'd be working on a mosaic and I would come home like three months later from school and she'd be working on the same mosaic, but it's because, you know, she started it and then hated it and then took it out again and then started it and then hated it. And like, you don't, you really don't want to be putting in negative energy into a project that you're spending so much time on. Cause you know, there's, there's so many, there's so many life lessons in that. <laughs> and I, yeah. I, I love that. It's, you know, and, and so when you trade like stocks or something called a stop loss, right. Where like, I will not let, if my stock drops to a certain level, I, it just sells automatically. I set a trigger on it and it sells. Right. And what you're, what you're describing is, is essentially a stop loss in your crafting or your life. Like, okay, it gets to this low point. Like, that's it. Like I'm out. Like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, it's, and it's true. You know, even if you have the sunk cost, there's like, who cares? Like you learn that lesson. I think that's, that's great. Yeah. And I used that like when I, when I was getting my graduate degree, I said I was originally getting public administration and while public administration is a really important degree to pursue, I was like, my heart just wasn't in it. Like I, I just like didn't really care about my classes. Like they were interesting, but like, I wasn't, I wasn't really into it. Like I didn't really see how it aligned with my future. Like it seemed a little too generic for me. And I just like put on my big girl pants. And I was like, I'm going to drop this degree. I don't know what I'm going to do, but I'm not going to graduate school. And, 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 you know, that was like a similar thing. Like I had already taken a year, maybe more of courses, like a year plus like summers and winters of courses for like that, that graduate degree, which is a lot, you know, that's like a lot of time and stress that I, and, and money that I spent working for something that I wasn't that into. And I just figured, you know, while it might not be the most rational thing, like I'm sure like 90% of the population would just like keep going with that, just, you know, suck it up. But I was like, I don't, I don't want to be getting a degree in something I don't really care about. So yeah, I, I, I made a switch to something that I'm much happier in. And I, I think it's so worth it. Like I, I don't look back at all. Like I've made a great decision. And yeah, I just do that small scale with my projects all the time. <laughs> That's great. Well, Eliana, this has been like just a ton of fun. Um, we're going to post all of your um, all of your links. Um, but if anyone's not like looking at the show notes, you can find um, Eliana on Instagram. And there's links within your profile to your Etsy shop, but it's um, just slash Knit Sprout. And that's K-N-I-T-S-P-R-O-U-T. So Instagram.com slash Knit Sprout. Um, this has been a ton of fun. Uh, and I want to thank you so much. Um, and yeah, we'll get thank this out to the world soon. Yeah, thank you. And then thanks for all of our listeners uh, for tuning in on this week's episode. And I thought, I thought Eliana, uh, it's, it's, her story is just so interesting. And it's a reminder for us that we are really more in control of our lives than we think. And we sometimes put our own borders and boundaries up when, you know, we really have the world at our fingertips and we can use that to help us influence us and move us to the next place um, to make a great impact on the world. So thank you so much for that. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for letting me share and, you know, reach a larger audience. And anytime yeah. I get to talk about making, I'm, I'm happy. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, thank you so much. Yeah.